Welcome to the 5K Every Day in the Month of May 2021 podcast. I'm Jeff Poland, and I am so glad that you are going to be joining me for this amazing season of physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, and hopefully relational growth. I started running a 5K Every Day in the Month of May in 2016 for several reasons. First off, it rhymed. I mean, how cool is that? 5K Every Day in the Month of May. 5K every day in the month of May. Hey, but that was also a really difficult and stressful time for me. Running became a bit of an escape from the crazy, and it ended up being an important part of my personal sanity and well-being. I'm hoping that you will find this challenge to be helpful to you in a similar way. If everything is going well for you right now, great, go for a run, soak up the sun. If things are a little crazy for you right now, no worries, God is good. Go for a run, he'll take care of you and he'll take care of your crazy circumstances. It is truly amazing how quickly life can change. Our circumstances can be wildly different from one day to the next. We can be on top of the world one day and under the weight of the world the next day. It's all right. God's goodness does not depend on our tiny perspective. He sees the end from the beginning. He's got the whole world in his hands. And if you are a part of the world, then that means he's got you in his hands as well. Sometimes when things get crazy, I think about the prophet Elijah. He went toe-to-toe against the prophets of Baal, and God gave Elijah a huge victory over them. He was on top of the world. Then Jezebel threatened to kill him, and he runs off crying about how hard his life is. We can be like that sometimes. But even at Elijah's lowest moment, God showed up and gave the despondent prophet some great advice. Eat some cake, take a nap, go for a run. Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and you can look it up for yourself in 1 Kings 19, but I still think that is some pretty solid advice. When life gets a little crazy, eat some cake, take a nap, go for a run. With the 5K Every Day and the Month of May Challenge, we can help you with at least one of those things. So let's go ahead and get this party started with a poppy, upbeat song from Poland Band. Here is Alive to Shine. Everything 
month we are going to be having some special guests pop in on the podcast and I am excited about that but I wanted to let you know about some other things that we will be doing with the podcast this year. First off, I should say that after running at least 3.1 miles every day in May back in 2016, I realized that I had become more intentional and adamant about getting at least three miles in each day than I was about reading at least three chapters of scripture each day. No bueno. That didn't seem right to me. So I set out to change that in 2017. I added an optional challenge for the month of May in which I challenged myself and others to read three chapters of scripture each day. Since I figured that some of the people who would take me up on that challenge were not Christians, it only made sense in my mind for us to read about Jesus. I decided to start in Matthew 1, and after 31 days of reading three chapters each day, that took us through Acts 4. How cool is that? So the reading challenge ends up covering the life of Jesus through four different vantage points, that of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then it gives us a little bit of insight as to what Jesus' first followers did in response to the life that he lived, the sacrifice he made for all of us on the cross, and the mission that he sends his followers out on. Throughout the years, I have kept that same reading plan each May. I know a lot of people have asked if we can do a different reading plan each year, but my answer is always no. I mean, you are obviously welcome to read whatever portion of scripture you want to read anytime that you want to read it. I strongly encourage that. But the official 5K May reading plan is going to continue to be an intentional walk through the Gospels in the first four chapters of Acts. To help us get there, I will actually be reading each chapter here on the podcast, so you're welcome to read along or to pop in your earbuds and listen while you do your daily 5K or whatever. 
After each chapter, I will offer a bit of commentary. I hope you will find the commentary to be insightful and helpful, but I really do believe that Scripture speaks for itself. I enjoy sharing my thoughts, but I enjoy hearing your thoughts as well, so please feel free to leave your own comments in the blog or on the podcast page. That blog can be found at www.jeffpullenmusic.com. And by the way, don't forget that today is an official check-in day, so go to the blog, find check-in number one, and make sure you follow the directions. Now, another thing that I want you to know about is that one of the new segments that I hope to add to the podcast this year is a Q&A time. So feel free to ask questions or to leave comments on the blog. And once a week or more frequently, if needed, I will be reading and responding to your questions and or comments. Okay, I think that's enough information for now. Let's prepare our hearts as we open up the Word of God. Father, as we walk through the Gospels, the collective story of Jesus, your Son, I ask that you would anoint this podcast, that you would infuse it with your matchless power through your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would open our ears to hear you, that you would open our eyes to see you, that you would open our minds to understand what you are revealing to us, and that you would open our hearts to receive your love today. Give strength to our bodies to keep us moving forward towards the goal of completing a 5K every day in the month of May. And may we grow stronger through this season and may we grow deeper in our understanding, love, and affection for you. Amen. All right, let's do this. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter one. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nishan. Nishan was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the mother of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Sheltiel. Sheltiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad. Abiad was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathen. Mathen was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, whom she was engaged to, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. 
So he decided to break their engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Okay, so let's get the obvious out of the way. That's a lot of names. I think one of the reasons why people often feel intimidated, overwhelmed, or just plain disinterested in the Bible is because of passages like we see here at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, that's a lot of names, and most of the names don't really mean anything to anyone. I'm sorry if that offends you. I know that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable, but I'm just being honest. Reading through that list does feel more like a task than like a reward. If you resonate with that, I want you to know that you are not alone. If you are offended by that, well, buckle up. We've got a long way to go. I'm sure I'll say far worse things than that. But it's true. That's a lot of names. And honestly, I don't have any clue who more than half of those people are. And that's okay. But I want to tell you what I do see here in this list. There's, there's two things that stand out to me immediately. Number one, I want us to see that Jesus has a lineage. He was a real historical person. You don't need to know who these people are in order to understand the significance of the fact that they existed and that Jesus had grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents. This is so important. I think that one of the mistakes we tend to make when we think about Jesus is that we forget how human he was. Yes, Jesus was and is fully God, make no mistake about that. But when he came to earth, born as a human boy, he was also fully man. He was tempted like we are. He got hungry like we do. He got tired like we do. He had a human family like we do. As we walk together through the Gospels, I hope that we can all come to the same conclusion that Jesus is Lord, but I also hope that we don't miss the fact that Jesus set aside his divinity when he came to earth and that he walked among humans as a human. Now, I can almost hear some of your heads exploding right now. We haven't even made it through the first three chapters, and some of you are like, that ain't right. This boy going crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy, all right? The writer of Hebrews goes to great lengths to make sure that we understand that Jesus was a human, just like us. In fact, he had to be just like us, or his sacrifice on the cross could not count for us. He became man so that he could die for man. The theological concept that I'm talking about here is called the kenosis of God, the setting aside of substance. He set aside his divinity when he came to earth. The apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians 2. He says, Jesus, though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And I could definitely stop right there, okay? There was enough theological meat in the last few minutes for us to chew on for the rest of the day and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. But I want to highlight the second thing that stands out to me from that crazy, long, boring list of names. The second thing that stands out to me is the women that Matthew chooses to include. Let's take a quick inventory. He mentions Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. 
Now, what do all of these women have in common? Trouble. <laughs> I won't go into detail. You can look it up for yourself. But the Judah and Tamar incident is less than pleasant. Rahab was a non-Jew with a questionable past, to say the least. Ruth was a non-Jew who experienced tragedy and became a widow early in her life. And Bathsheba was the woman that King David had an inappropriate relationship with and whose husband King David had murdered. Now, to be fair, many of the men in that long list of names were far from fine outstanding citizens themselves, but what is the deal with these women? This is what sticks out to me, and I hope you find it to be encouraging and helpful to you as well. God takes broken things and makes something beautiful out of them. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, and no matter how messed up your life circumstances seem to be, when placed in the mighty hands of God, he can make something beautiful out of your life. He did it for Tamar. He did it for Rahab. He did it for Ruth. He did it for Bathsheba. He did it for me. And he can do it for you. Chapter 2 Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. When Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, he then told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. They stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Matthew gives us some pretty incredible insight here into the character of King Herod. 
It is quite a gift, really. None of the other gospel writers go into this level of detail surrounding King Herod, especially the details of King Herod wanting to kill all of the baby boys in Jerusalem. Now, why did Matthew go into this level of detail? Well, other than the obvious fact, which is that the details were true, and Matthew tends to pay particularly close attention to the details throughout his gospel, I want to suggest that Matthew goes into this level of detail regarding King Herod because of his unique perspective and purpose of writing the Gospel of Matthew to begin with. Matthew has one main aim in his writing. He wants his audience to understand that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah that was long foretold and who had finally come. In fact, if you think back to how Matthew opened his gospel, the very first verse says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah. Now, Messiah is an interesting word. It could mean Savior or Lord or King. Matthew certainly sees the Messiah as being the King that God had promised to send. He, he is a heavenly King. His kingdom is not of this world. He is the true King and the Lord over all. And Matthew understands this. Matthew, remember, was one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the apostles of Jesus who walked alongside of Jesus and knew very well who he was. Now, contrast this picture that Matthew paints for us of the one true king to that of earthly kings. Here we see Herod acting as earthly kings tend to act. Jealous, evil, power-hungry, murderous, self-focused. King Jesus, on the other hand, is good, kind, loving, others-focused. The contrast simply could not be greater. Matthew makes that point incredibly clear by helping us to see here in Matthew chapter 2 what an earthly king looks like. The question for us then, I think, comes down to this question of, do I want to serve an earthly king or do I want to serve the one true king? Service to a king is not optional. You will give your life in service to a king. It will either be given to an earthly king, which could include yourself, by the way, to a fictitious king like many of the false gods that exist around the world, or to the one true king. I trust that as we make our way through the Gospels, that you will see why it is more than worth it to give your life to the one true king, Jesus, who willingly laid down his life for you. Chapter 3 In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching, his message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warn you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. We are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. 2020 was an unprecedented year. I mean that mostly in a bad way. Other than the price of gas, which hit an all-time low right around the time that none of us actually needed it, most of the unprecedented aspects of last year were really, really bad. It did make me pause and wonder, though, if perhaps that is how the people of Israel were feeling about the times in which they were living prior to John the Baptist coming onto the scene. The Romans were ruling over them, the religious leaders were practically a brood of vipers, and not too long before John came to prepare the way for the one true king, the mad king, Herod, had blatantly murdered all of the male children in Bethlehem, two years old and under, with seemingly no negative repercussion. Things may have been bad for us this past year, but it is safe to say that things were really bad for the people living in the time that John the Baptist and Jesus walked the earth. But things were about to get really good for them. The goodness that was to come was proclaimed first by John the Baptist, then later by Jesus himself, and then for generations by followers of Jesus. The goodness that was to come was the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been running a 5K every day in the month of May for several years now, and I have really enjoyed it. I think it makes a practical difference in my life and in the lives of so many others. But what if we could make so much more than just a practical difference? What if we could make an eternal difference? difference, a spiritual difference. When I think about John the Baptist, I think about a man who, above all else, boldly proclaimed the truth about who Jesus was. That's the kind of person that I strive to be as well. I want to be someone who is committed to advancing the gospel. I don't want this to be the generation that failed to advance the gospel. So what is the gospel? I I think that perhaps the clearest presentation of the gospel that I have ever heard is a simple acrostic from the word itself. G-O-S-P-E-L. G. God created us to be with him. O. Our sins separate us from God. S. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. P. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. E. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And L. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That is the clear, concise, compelling, and complete gospel. A message so simple that even a child could understand it. And in turn, put their faith in Christ for eternal salvation. John the Baptist came on the scene during an unprecedented time in Israel's history. He came with a message. Jesus both fulfilled the message and moved the message forward. The early followers of Jesus spread the message far and wide, and now it's our turn. It's our time. 
what if the unprecedented year that we have all collectively lived through, which in many ways was really, really bad, was merely setting the stage for a massive movement of God that is really, really good? What if the world was merely being prepared for what God is about to do through you and through me? And what about you? What about the gospel? If you have never personally put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, what is keeping you from receiving his free gift of forgiveness, grace, and eternal salvation today? Today is the day for salvation. If you would choose to put your faith in Jesus today, simply tell him, Jesus, I believe that you died for me in my place, and I'm trusting in you and in you alone for salvation. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, congratulations. Welcome to the family. I would love it if you would leave a comment on my blog and let me know so that I can welcome you into the family of God and pray for you. But if you're someone who's listening to this blog and and you've already put your faith in Jesus, that's awesome too. That is truly the best decision you could have ever made in your life. But the second best decision, the one that should naturally follow the first, is to share that good news with others who may have never heard. Together, we can make an eternal impact and see God take unprecedented badness and turn it into unfathomable goodness. Let's make 5K May so much bigger than running 3.1 miles, than reading three chapters. Let's take this as an opportunity to share what God has done in our lives with others and to see what he would do in their lives as well. Well, that's it for this first podcast in the 5K May 2021 Challenge. Only 30 more to go. If you have not yet checked in on the website, be sure to go to the blog at www.jeffpullenmusic.com. That's J-E-F-F-P-O-L-E-N-M-U-S-I-C.com and check in on the check-in number one blog post. To send you out today, how about another song from Poland Band called Great Redeemer?